Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is provided with much better audio quality thanks to Radio Archives. RadioArchives.com is a seller of high-quality old-time radio collections, Pulp Fiction ebook reprints, and Pulp Fiction audiobooks. And you can try a sample of each of these three products for free by sending an email to detectives at radioarchives.com. Also, they have a transcription transfer subscription. Over the years, they have acquired 36,000 transcription discs from the golden age of radio. And they are making transfers from those discs available to subscribers at a rate of 600 different discs each month. Myself, I've enjoyed new episodes of programs that I like, like Heartbeat Theater, Hour of Charm, The Burns and Allen Show, and... Or Miss Brooks, as well as some higher quality versions of other programs than you can download elsewhere. Now you can try this service out for $59.98. You go to transfers.greatdetectives.net and that entire purchase price goes to support the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. And you'll receive 600 raw transfers as if you were sitting there in the booth with them as they were playing the disc. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe for $60 a month, half off the normal price. Just go to transfers.greatdetectives.net to learn more. Now we're going to bring you the final episode of Follow Vance. The original air date on this episode is July the 4th, 1950, and the title is The Muddy Murder Case. <laughs> Sit down, please, Vance. Sit down and be prepared for the most ridiculous situation you ever heard. Well, Markham, that takes in a lot of territory. (laughs) As a private investigator, you've encountered a lot of weird murders, I know. As a district attorney, so have I. I'm well aware of that. What's so completely fantastic about this one? Let me give you a rundown on it. All right. First of all, you've heard of John Williams. Racket leader, gunman, shot dead last night. Yes. I read about it on the way down here. You only read part of it, believe me. Williams had a three-way deal with two other operators, Sam Foster and Whitey Morrow. They had a working arrangement, but as I understand it, they split last month. Nothing too fantastic about the situation yet, Markham. Wait. It's reasonable to believe, as we do, that either Sam Foster or Whitey Morrow killed Williams. The motive is obvious. Markham, please. All right, all right. I just wanted to bring you up to date on the background. Now, listen. Mm -hmm. Williams lived in a house in the country. Yes. You know how it rained all day yesterday? Certainly I know. I just had my car washed. Always rains immediately (laughs) afterward. (laughs) I have the same thing happen when I wear a suit that's just been pressed. But let's get back to Williams. 
His house in the country was surrounded, completely surrounded, mind you, by a sea of mud. Williams was shot inside the house. There was no way for the killer to get in except by going through the mud, and there were no footprints. Uh, Vance. How did I know? Yes. That would be fantastic, and you assured me this case was. Yes, yes. How do you know the killer didn't arrive and leave before the rain? Your guessing was good, Vance, but not complete. Williams had a housekeeper. She was home when the shop that killed him was fired. She came downstairs but saw nobody, put on the yard lights, and immediately noticed no footprints. And there were no convenient trees, if that's what you're thinking. She might have killed Williams. Or she might be lying. I doubt it. No, Vance, she isn't our killer. Whoever it is, Sam Foster or Whitey Morrow, has figured out a murder that we can't possibly tie to him. Because there isn't a way in the world it could have been done. Subway trains pretty, Mr. Foster. I heard you. I'm keeping my mind on what I'm doing. Oh, you know, Oscar, if you weren't so handy with a gun, I couldn't stand you around me. But I am keeping my mind on what I'm doing. Will you please answer the question I ask and not the one before? You're driving me nuts. Well, if I wasn't handy with a gun, why couldn't you stand me? I'm past that. Oscar, do me a favor. Shut up. You know why I, I, I don't answer the same question you ask and I answer the one before? Why? Because it takes time to get things through my head. I, I ain't quick. Except for a gun. Now, look, forget everything I said up till now. Just listen. Huh? Listen to me. Okay, okay. That's better. We know Whitey Morrow comes to his office every day using the subway. He hates cabs. I am listening, no brother. Oscar, stay with me. Yeah. Morrow is due here any second. He'll wait for a train. When it comes in the station, you let him have it and we get out. You understand? Sure, I understand. What do you understand? I should listen to you. That's fine, that's fine. I think maybe I'd better call off. Oscar, there's Whitey, just going through the turnstile. Whitey is due here any second when he comes. I wait for the train. The train's coming in. He doesn't see us. Walk in back of him with me. Come on. What? Walk in back of him with me. Come on. Oh, come on, you. That's right. Gun, give it to him right in the back. Oh, now? I said now, didn't I? Well, I should kill him. Oscar. Okay, okay. Now. Come on, Oscar, let's beat it. Hey, you know something, Mr. Forster? What is it? I think we ought to beat it. Whitey Morrow's in pretty bad shape, Mr. Vance. Mm. There were three bullets in him, but he's lived up until now, although I don't know how. Pretty tough character, eh, Doctor? He certainly is. Only in a little while, we'll be saying he certainly was. He doesn't have a chance. Does he know that? I've told him. The police have told him. He's pretty hard to convince. It's about the last thing a man wants to admit, isn't it? I suppose so. Anyhow, you can go in. You're working on this case, Vance? Only if it ties up with the murder of a man named John Williams, Doctor. Mm -hmm. Williams was killed under completely impossible circumstances. Oh? Williams and Whitey Morrow inside were two-thirds of a crime syndicate. It wouldn't be strange if the other third, Sam Foster, killed Williams and almost got Morrow in the subway. Anyhow, that's what I want to find out. 
Call me if I can help. I will, Doctor. Hello, Morrow. Whoever you are, go away. I'm Philo Vance, Whitey. Remember me? I did you a favor once. Do me another one and I'll get lost. Who shot you, Whitey? As soon as I get out of here, you watch the papers. The first guy that gets bumped is the guy that tried to get me. The doctors say you aren't ever going to get out of here. What do they know? Who got shot, them? No, me. So who should know if I'm going to get better, them? No, me. You and John Williams were in partnership with Sam Foster, Whitey. You broke up. Foster wants to run the whole racket, so he killed Williams and he tried to kill you. Wasn't that simply nasty of him? Unless you killed Williams. Me. Johnny and me were friends. Besides, I could never figure out a way to kill him with a flock of mud outside his house and no footprints. Sam's... Sam... Whitey. Whitey. Dr. Manders. Dr. Manders. Yes, Vance, I'm coming. What is it? Take a look at the patient, Doctor. Very well. I think he's dead, only I didn't take time to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's dead, all right. Although how he lived this long after being shot is a mystery. You think that's a mystery, Doctor? How about the one I'm going to work on now? How a man could walk through 30 feet of mud without leaving a footprint. Sam, you're priceless. Sure. Did you ever hear the one about... <laughs> Wait a minute, baby. Who is it? I said, who is it? It's me, Oscar, Mr. Forster. Could I come in? Beat it. Come back next year. Oh, Sam. <laughs> I said, could I come in? Later. Next year? Okay, I'll come back next year. <laughs> Oscar, Sam, he's priceless. <laughs> Am I getting heavy on your knee, Sam? Sure. But it's worth it. <laughs> Here, Come closer to you. Yeah. How could I do that? Oh, Sam, you're right. <laughs> you feel good, don't you, baby? Well, why not? I'm with the biggest man in town. That makes me the biggest gal in town, don't it? <laughs> well, it depends on how you look at it. You're glad Johnny Williams is out of the way. <laughs> Almost as glad as you are. Yeah. He did give you a rough deal. But you had nothing against Whitey Morrow. No, I kind of liked him. He had a lot of funny jokes. Honestly, tell me when I nearly died laughing at him. He was priceless. <laughs> you read about how Johnny Williams died, Sugar. You read about it? Oh, sure, I read about it. Can't figure it out, but I read about it. Uh, you aren't the only one can't figure it, Judy. Johnny Williams ain't the only one I read about either, Sam. I read about a fellow named... Philo Vance, they say, is working on the case. Good. I like to see a fellow have a job. Oh, you're smarter than that, Sam. You know Vance has got plenty on the ball. Sure, but he's got nothing on me. Mm, good enough for now, but you know how your stooge Oscar talks? He thinks the slow. He's always one sentence behind what you ask him. Sure. What about it? Well, Vance, I hear, is just the opposite. He's thinking one move ahead of you all the time. The guy's priceless, Sam. I wouldn't think of trying to buy him off, baby. He's kind of... Scareless, too. I wasn't thinking of trying to scare him off. He isn't deathless, is he, honey? (laughs) (laughs) 
told everything, Markham. I haven't even begun my investigations yet. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Where are you, Vance? As soon as I hang up this phone, I'm going out to Johnny Williams' house. The house of mystery. What's the point? There's nothing there. It's just a house. On the day of the murder, it was surrounded by a sea of mud. It's the same way right now, then. This rain will see to that. But I want to question Williams' housekeeper. I understand. I hope you understand that Sam Foster is the new underworld king of this town, now that Williams and Morrow are dead. Yes, I realize that, and I hope to prove to be a little sunshine to Mr. Foster. You're going to be a little sunshine to Foster? How do you mean? You said he was the king, didn't you? Yes. Well, weather reports to the contrary, I'm going to try to see that he doesn't rain anymore. Oh, Vance. <laughs> Hello in there. Anybody home? I could have sworn it would creak. Hello. Well? I said hello. My name is Philo Vance. You're Johnny Williams' housekeeper? Yes. Rather chilly out here and more than a little wet. May I come in? If you like. Thank you. Ah. To keep in character, I'm surprised you don't have an Angora cat on your shoulder. I hate cats. Mm. May I ask your name? Mrs. Stewart. What do you want here, Vance? Mrs. Stewart, I'd like you to understand something. Well? Police are convinced that Mr. Williams was killed by somebody who came into this house and left it without leaving any footprints, even though this house is surrounded by mud. And you're not convinced? That's right. Before I knocked at the door, I tried to think of how I could possibly get from the road to the porch, a distance of about 30 feet, without leaving any prints. And? My footprints are in the mud. It can't be done. And inasmuch as it can't be done, my theory is that Mr. Williams was killed by somebody in this house. I was in the house when the shots were fired. That's what I meant. That I shot him? Why not? You had opportunity. If you had a motive, and you might very possibly have had a motive. Duck down on the floor, quick! Did you get hit? No. No. Thank you for the warning. Never mind that. Let's find whoever it is that fired at us. You stay here. Where are you going? Out through the door. The shots came from the front window. The killer may be outside. I'm going outside to see. There are floodlights that light up the entire yard. Wait a minute. There. Only if you're going out, I'm going with you. Very well, but stay in back of me. I don't see anybody. What else don't you see? What? What else don't you see? I don't understand what you mean. How many sets of footprints do you see in the ground, Van? How many? Yes. Why, why, there's only one set leading to the house. Those are mine. You were with me when someone broke the glass in the window and fired. You must have seen a figure on the porch or you couldn't have warned me. Yes. That's the situation you said was impossible. The same situation that occurred when Mr. Williams died. You still think it's impossible, Vance? <laughs> This is District Attorney Markham. The muddy murder case began with the shooting of Johnny Williams, racketeer. Although his house was completely surrounded by mud, and although Williams was killed at close range, we found no footprints in the mud. Nobody but Williams' housekeeper was in his home. We suspect a racketeer named Sam Foster, especially since we think he killed another former ally. But Vance, who is in my office, can offer no immediate... That's the story, Markham. I was in the house, saw a figure on the porch, was there when the shots were fired, so I know somebody crossed 30 feet of mud without leaving any footprints. That settles it, then, doesn't it? 
It can be done. Would it surprise you if I told you that now I think I know how it was done? Nothing you tell me surprises me anymore, Vance. You're not thinking of anything as fantastic as a helicopter or some sort of flying apparatus, are you? Markham. No, no, I didn't think you were. Having an idea and doing something about it are two different things, though. This Sam Foster, Markham, the man who takes over the town's rackets, what about him? It's reasonable to believe that he killed Williams and Whitey Morrow, too, in order to get sole control. Is he a college man? I'm sure I don't know. I'm sure you could find out. Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> you think he found a mathematical formula for reducing the 30 feet of mud to one foot and stepped across it? <laughs> no, that isn't it at all. Find out for me if he went to college and what college it was he went to. Then maybe I'll find out something for you. You know what I don't understand, Julie girl? <laughs> I don't understand why you don't like me. What are you talking about, Oscar? Just don't understand it, that's all. I'm big, I'm an important guy, I'm Mr. Foster's right-hand man. <laughs> that's true. Uh, all right, so I ain't pretty. Look, you better not let Foster hear you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you and me, Junie girl. One half of that is very interesting conversation. So Foster finds out. So what? So you'll find out. Which half of you and me is interesting? <laughs> oh, <I wouldn't> like <laughs> Come here, baby. Here, cut that out, Oscar. Oh, uh, you didn't hear me say, "Come here, baby." I said, "Cut it out, Oscar." Okay, so I come no. to you. No, no, I. Yeah, now no. don't that feel nice and cozy no, being I here by your husband? You don't leave me alone, Oscar. Oh, hey, what's going on here? Beauty and the Beast. Sam, the safe of yours tried to go on the mix for me. What goes on, Oscar? What do you mean, beauty and the beast? What, what does that mean, beauty and the beast? Junie looked good to me. I, I tried to tell her. You tried to show me, I mean. I told you what would happen when I told Sam. What did happen, baby? Well, you ain't sore. You ain't going to take this big lug apart. Oscar is a very important member of my organization, June. Oh, and I'm not. Not of my business organization. And business, you know, honey, always comes before anything else. speaking. Mr. Philo Vance? Unquestionably. Well, Vance, you don't know me. Sometime you may realize how bad that is for you. Well, in that event, let's make that sometime right now. Uh-uh, no can do, Vance. Look, I read that you're working on the murder of Johnny Williams. Like to know who killed him and Whitey Morrow? Sam Foster. That's right. What did Foster ever do to you? You mean, why am I tipping you off? Yes. I'm playing second fiddle to a gun-crazy goon, that's why. Good enough reason. You can prove that Foster killed Williams and Morrow? He killed Williams, and he had that gun-crazy goon I was telling you about kill Morrow. How was Williams killed with all that mud surrounding his house? Search me. That would hardly clarify the situation. Well, I... You mean you don't know? That's right. I don't know everything. What you've told me, miss, is what the police and I already suspect. Can you prove what you're saying? What's the matter? Ain't my word good enough? It is for me, but a jury is unreasonable. It likes to have proof. Yeah, I suppose but you're right. But perhaps I can get that proof. The district attorney found out for me that Foster went to state college. Now you tell me where Sam Foster and his friend can be found. Ray Doll Apartments. They got a suite. You go there, Vance, and see that they get a headache. <laughs> Oscar, one thing you've got to stop. Oscar, are you listening to me? 
Yeah, Mr. Foster. That's what I mean. You've got to stop answering questions a minute after I ask them. I got to stop answering the questions. Oh, yeah, I get you. But, but I explained that to you a hundred times. It, it, it takes a long time for me to get things in my head by the time I do. You, 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 you're asking me something else. All I wish is you weren't so handy with an automatic. By the way, keep away from June. That happens to be... Happens to be what? Somebody at the door, Oscar. Oh, wait, that just like people. For once, I, I, I concentrate. I, I answer the question you're asking, and you switch to something else. Shut up. You want me to get the door? Get in the next room. I'll take care of it. All right. I'm coming. Well, I'm Philo Vance. You are Sam Foster? Yes. Now that we have the introductions out of the way, so long, Vance. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Congratulations, strong man. You pushed open the door. What are you going to do for an encore? Twist an iron bar around your arm? Foster, there are a lot of things in the world I hate, and you represent most of them. Murder, smugness, disregard of other people. Oscar! Oh, Oscar! Calling for help already, Foster? Nothing like being prepared. Only this help of mine takes a little time to understand things. Oscar! Did you call me Mr. Foster? Mm, yes, he Oscar. does look a little like an ape. Wait until he realizes what you just said, Vance. You'll be the one who needs help. I look like a what? You look, look like... Vance, why don't you be a nice guy and get out of here? Legs are nice things to walk around on. You shouldn't want yours broken. I don't see anybody here that's capable of giving me even a little exercise. Oscar, go to work on him. What is it I look like a... Go to work on this guy. Make him sorry he talks so much. Now... Oh, go to work on him. Why didn't you say we was having a party? Get you a treat here. Get more at home. Okay, Oscar, this is it. <laughs> the things the guy says. What am I supposed to do? Roll over and place it? <laughs> Took him a little while to realize he was not cold, eh, Boston? Apparently. You handled yourself pretty good, Vance. You mean pretty well, don't you, Foster? They never taught you to say pretty good at State University, did they? Uh, what about me and State? Nothing much. I'm just waiting for one little bit of information. And the four years you spent at State will seem nothing to the years that the State has reserved for you. Yes, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. <sighs> Finally. You got what you wanted, D.A.? Yes, June, I did. That's good. That was State College, and as usual, Vance was right. I don't see yet how this solves the Johnny Williams murder mystery, but I'm sure Vance does. You know, I think Vance knows everything. <laughs> yes. I tried to tell that to Sam Foster, and that's one reason I think he took a shot at Vance out at the Williams house when Vance was talking to the housekeeper. Undoubtedly. As for you, young lady, I think now that Vance has sent you to me, I better see to it that you're taken care of. Oh, you're priceless, Mark. Uh, I mean, placed in protective custody. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, after I'm sure you're all right, I'll meet Vance and the two of us will go to see Foster and Oscar. I mean, don't leave without arresting them. I don't feel safe anymore with either one of them around. When Foster took Oscar's side, I had an idea he'd let that big lug shoot me if it would make him happy. That's why I went to Vance in the first place. I understand. Everything will be all right for you, June, after Vance and I visit your former friends. It'll be all right for you and annoying to a couple of men who are all wrong.
isn't that Oscar and I aren't very honored by this visit, you understand? Mm, you're very kind. It isn't often that a district attorney and a distinguished private investigator come to call on us, right, Oscar? Huh? Never mind that nonsense, Foster. I came up here to tell you that you and Oscar are going downtown with Markham and me. What's right, Mr. Porter? Shut up, Oscar. Well, I, I was... Take that slower, Vance. What makes you think you can drag us downtown? On what charge? Murder, of course. Murder of John Williams and Whitey Morrow. Oh. I killed them both, eh, D.A.? According to our information, you killed Williams and had Oscar shoot Morrow. I'm pretty sure the information is right. Hold everything. How can you think I killed Williams when you can't even think of how the guy was killed? You know somebody was in his house, but there were no footprints leading to and from that house. That's perfectly right, Foster. There weren't any because Williams' killer didn't walk through the mud. Oh. He flew through it, huh? Put on wings and flew over it. You're pretty close. But what's more important, so am I. Remember I asked you about State when I was here last? So? Mr. Markham called State. Found out some very valuable information in regard to your athletic activities in school. You guys know too much. Let's get them, Oscar. Okay with me. This is very much. Two down, Vance. I'm sorry I had to shoot that Oscar, but it was either him or me, and <laughs> I'm selfish that way. I don't blame you one bit, Markham. He's still alive and still able to stand trial, I think. You won't have to worry about getting a conviction, I don't believe. With your theory and the girl's testimony, not to mention the possibility that the death bullets and Williams and Morrow will match the guns belonging to these individuals, I'm pretty sure we'll be all right. Pretty cute idea Foster had for the Williams murder, wasn't it? The no footprints thing? Mm -hmm. Very cute. In fact, it was one of the most interesting gimmicks I've ever encountered. Let's talk about it as soon as we take these two characters down to headquarters. <laughs> I'll give you a light. Oh, there you are. Thanks, Markham. Now, tell me, what gave you the idea that Sam Foster was an athlete? It was one way a man could get over 30 feet of mud, Markham, using a pole such as vaulters use in athletic meets. Uh-huh. Run on the road, insert the pole in the mud, pull yourself up and out. You could land on Williams' porch without leaving any tracks. As soon as State told us that Foster had been a pole vaulter, I knew what your theory was. And he knew that he was finished as soon as we brought up the fact that we did know. Yes, Markham, I'm very happy about the whole thing. It really had me confused for quite a while. He undoubtedly followed me to the Williams place and tried to kill me when I was there questioning the housekeeper. Uh-huh. Although I thought for a minute it was she he was after. It doesn't matter now. So far as any killings or would-be killings are concerned, Foster and Oscar are finished. And you know, Markham, so is the muddy murder case. <laughs>
Welcome back. As final episodes go, I actually thought this was pretty good. Vance got to smack someone, and so, you know that that's like a key plot element at this point. But one thing that I'm really dubious about is the idea that you could jump over 30 feet of mud. Maybe. I, I, I think I'm dubious about the idea more from the standpoint of a college athlete in his prime might be able to do this. But from everything we heard in this episode, it had been quite a while since the murderer had been in college. And I think that guys in their 30s and 40s who used to be college athletes generally cannot do the same things that they could in their 20s. And sometimes they learn that the hard way. Plus, it seems that doing this jump would leave evidence behind, particularly with the mud surrounding the murder house. Also, I think that I recognize the voice of Stats Cotsworth, a.k.a. Casey from Casey Crime Photographer as the voice of the murderer. So you can kind of hear anyway how so many of these actors who worked in New York radio shows just like their Hollywood counterparts would go and work on other New York radio programs. Although we have less examples of this just because we have fewer of the New York radio programs in syndication. And that actually brings us to the end of Philo Vance. So my overall thoughts. Honestly, if I had to choose one Philo Vance series that I wanted more of, it would be the Jose Ferrar Summer Replacement series with Francis Robinson as his co-star and sort of rival detective. I'd really love to hear more of that series, a lot more than I would actually want to hear more of the syndicated show. Nevertheless, I have mostly enjoyed this series with Jackson Beck and George Petrie. For the longest time, this particular iteration of Philo Vance was on my I Will Not Do This series list. And that's because of many of the problems we've discussed with it. And I think it's important to keep in mind when I started The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, I was in my late 20s. And I think that I was slightly more uptight. And you had a running theme in a lot of pop culture and pop culture criticism where you had millennials, I think this was mostly a millennial thing, say that they enjoyed something, but they only enjoyed it ironically. And this was said of things that I enjoyed unironically. And then I thought, this has artistic and moral merit to it. And there were people who wrote about old-time radio like that as well. And in doing The Great Detectives, I wanted to highlight shows that were, in my opinion, good. They could be funny, or they could be dramatic. They could be in different styles. And that mindset, when I listened to Philo Vance, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Because the stories were ridiculous in terms of the mysteries, and Vance's behavior was occasionally a bit out there. But I'm 
other series, there seemed to be no sort of self-awareness of this. And so I wrote this off as not a very good series, and I didn't revisit that decision for uh Probably about a decade when I realized that we were running out of programs to do. And I gave Philo Vance another lesson. And I think that I could see some of the merit in the series. And we also got some stories where the mysteries were maybe a little bit better than some of the really weak ones. But I think I'd lightened up a little bit. And also came to respect just the breadth of old-time radio that's out there. And it's not all good, but there's a wide variation in quality. This series is unique because despite the writing being really dodgy at times, the actors really commit to the material. And you've got some very talented performers in these series. You've got Jackson Beck, who has such a great voice, and I think he manages to make Philo Vance work by just taking the script and saying, okay, I'm going to go with this. You could say the same thing for George Petrie. As much as I have poked fun at D.A. Markham over the course of the last two years, Petrie does everything that an actor really could do with these scripts. You have to say the same for the guest actors as well. I appreciate the acting and what they're able to bring out of these scripts even if so many of the stories and their solutions are a bit dodgy. And as I'm in my 40s as I record this episode, I've gotten to the point where if someone listens to this and assumes that old-time radio detective programs are like Philo Vance and can only be enjoyed for acting or only enjoyed ironically or in a so-bad-it's-good way, that's not really my problem. There's such a great breadth of old-time radio detective programs. And some really fantastic ones that we've brought you and will continue to bring you as we continue along with the great detectives of old-time radio. Now to listener comments and feedback. And I want to go ahead and thank a couple listeners who have rated episodes on Good Pods. I want to thank James who uh, rated an episode five stars, the Full Dress Murder Case, and Narita, who rated an episode of Dangerous Assignment and said it was very entertaining that regarding the Outlaw radio station. Uh, I really do appreciate the support and folks taking time to rate us and uh, follow us on Good Pods. Uh, thank you so much. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Corey. Corey's been one of our Patreon supporters since March of 2018, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Corey. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download this from. We'll be back next Thursday with previously uncirculated episodes of Mr. Chameleon. And then next Saturday, we'll be bringing you a program called Dragnet. But join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of the Salt City Matter, where... 
Ed Julian and another man I didn't recognize were sitting in chairs opposite each other. Neither of them moved or flicked an eyelash. They just sat there, propped up, staring at each other. I got closer and decided one could get surprised in Salt City. They weren't dead. Dead men don't perspire. Dead men don't have pulses. Dead men don't breathe. They were just kind of in between. <laughs> if you ever walk into a house in Salt City and find two men just sitting in a room, quietly staring at each other, and they aren't dead, turn Johnny around Dollar. and walk out. Johnny Dollar. Don't fall down on your hands and knees and crawl around the floor like I did. Don't start to laugh to yourself about nothing at all. Don't get weepy and perspire. And don't prop yourself up against the wall and wait for something to happen. Then, then I, I could see somebody standing beside me looking down. And I couldn't move my arms and my legs, and that seemed pretty funny. Somebody laughed about it. Then it came to me I was doing the laughing. The noise was coming out of me. Somebody leaned down and took my gun out of my shoulder holster. He was wearing gloves and dark glasses. And then on, all at once, he had a face. Easy, Dollar, easy. I'll just take this. Sure. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.